is his word. So, Father, we pray you'd open our ears now, eyes to your word this morning, Lord, that you would be glorified as we get into your word. May your word speak to our hearts. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. We're in Luke chapter 3 this morning. John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus Christ, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. How would you like to have John's ministry to prepare the way for the Messiah? John prepared the way for Jesus Christ. That's a great ministry, I think. Luke 3. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, Herod, being Tetrarchs of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarchs of Ateria in the region of Cronatus and Lysanias, the Tetrarch of Aberdeen. Well, these were kings, rulers at the time, bad rulers. Pilate mess, uh, massacred a lot of people. Pontius Pilate, he was the one that Jesus stood before. These kings were in authority in those days. But Philip and Tetrarch of Arturia in the region of Trichronatus and Esaias, all these were known kings, but they all were very cruel and they were all corrupt. While Annas, Caiaphas, the high priest, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance, of remission of sin, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, and every valley shall be filled, and every mountain, every hill brought low, and every crooked place shall be made straight, and the rough way smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord. When John the Baptist appeared on the scene, no poetic, poetic voice had been heard for 400 years since Malachi. John comes on the scene. His coming was a part of God's perfect timing. We always got to remember God's perfect timing and everything. When he's going to come back again in his perfect timing. So no prophetic voice had been heard for 400 years. His coming was part of God's perfect timing for everything that relates to God's son is always on schedule. God is always on schedule. He might not come when you want him, but he's right on time. Every time. The 15th year of Tiberius, about A.D. 28 to 29. But Luke, you know, he named several men in, in verses 1 and 2, including all the Roman emperors, a, uh, uh, three uh, governors, and also two high priests. But God's word was, wasn't sent to them. God's words were not sent to any of these high officials, these high governors, these high officials. The message of God came to a guy out in the desert, John the Baptist, because God knew where he was. And God knows where you are. Did you know that? 
You can't hide from the Holy Spirit. You can't hide from it. God knew exactly what. He didn't go to the kings. He went to John because John was a man of God and John had the message of God and these kings didn't. Keep in mind that John did much more than just preach on sin. He also proclaimed the gospel. The word preached in Luke 3.18 gives us the English word evangelize. To preach means to preach the good news. It means to preach. It means to evangelize. John introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world and told people to trust Christ. God bypassed great and minor rulers and gave the word to a Jewish prophet in the wilderness. The nation of Israel was certainly in the wilderness. They're in the wilderness spiritually. And John brought them the good news of the Messiah in his kingdom. John was preaching personal repentance in verse 3, which guaranteed remission of sin, which followed by baptism. He, 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 in verse 4 and 5, John is quoting Isaiah 3 and 4 to show that John the Baptist fulfilled the prophecy that Isaiah prophesied years later. Isaiah 40, verse 3 and 4 says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his, make straight, make his path straight. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and every hill brought low. The crooked place shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. God is able even today to make your rough places smooth. You ever been in a rough place in your life? God says that's temporary. He said he's going to make that smooth. So in verses 4 and 5 describes the, you know, when the work of a road builder when, who who gets everything ready for the arrival of a king. Before a king made a journey to a distant country, the roads he would travel was improved. A king traveling in the wilderness, they had a crew to go before the king to make his path straight and to remove all the debris and all the obstructions, all the potholes and other hazards that made the king's journey difficult. They had a crew to go before him to make the road straight. John the Baptist says, I'm the forerunner. I'm going to make his path straight. In his ministry, John had to remove a great deal. John the Baptist, he was a straight shooter, and he told it the way it was. And John the Baptist had to remove a lot of religious debris so that people would be ready for the Messiah. The people desperately need to hear a voice from God. And John was that faithful voice as we are today. We are the voice of God. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his people. And if people are going to know the word, and if people are going to hear the gospel, it's got to be through us. God, by his grace, can make straight what sin has made crooked. And he said in Luke 3, 6, that and all flesh shall see the salvation of the Lord, not just the Jewish people, all mankind. God's salvation was made known both to the Jew and the Gentile. The Bible says, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Jesus came as the Savior of the world. The Bible said God so loved the world, God so loved mankind that he gave his only begotten son. Not only just for Israel, 
He came for anyone that will come. John the Baptist called everyone to meet, get ready to meet the Messiah. That, in, that includes you, that includes me, no matter what your nationality, your social standing, your religious affiliation, or your political position. God is calling people to come to him before it's too late, before judgment really hits it. It's going to come. Verse 7, John said, now, Jesus, John preaches to the people in verse 7. Then he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by John, brutal vipers. Now, how would you like to start a sermon like that? John saw, I'm going to tell you in a few minutes who he was talking to, but John didn't like hypocrites. You know what I'm saying? First message John preached, he opened up the message and said, you brutal vipers, who have warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring truth worthy of repentance and do not begin to say that to yourselves, which we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid at the root of the tree that every tree that which does not bear full fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow. He started, John said, bring forth some fruit for repentance. What is repentance? A changed life. John said, let me see the fruit of it. He said, where's the fruit? It's a changed life. Repentance is not just feeling bad or feeling sorry for your sin. And, and it's not just regretting your sin. Repentance is a changed life. Peter repented. Judas got, he was just sorry he got caught. And I had a prison ministry in California, and these guys were some smooth talkers. Even a person that shares tears doesn't necessarily mean that the person has repented. And when I was in California, and I used to work with these prison guys, and these guys were smooth talkers, and man, they would cry. They would, I mean, tears was coming down their cheeks, and they'd say, if I ever get out of here, I will never come back to this prison again. Well, they would get out, and two weeks later, they'd write back. I said, what happened, man? What was the tears all about? Just because a person shared tears doesn't mean that they necessarily repented. What the word repented means is a change. John says, you generations of vipers, y'all say y'all, he said, y'all bring forth some fruit and show me you repented. That's what John is telling him. Huh. Who is John talking to here? You know, John the Baptist, I was just thinking about him. Uh, There's a lot of things coming to mind, but you know, he was a straight shooter, man. He shot from the hip. I don't think John had many friends. His message did not tickle people's ears. He shot from the hip. He wasn't interested in preaching a soft message. John told it straight up the way, the way it was. He said, you bruised vipers, who has warned you? He said, if you really have repented, he said, it's going to be fruit. That's what he said. It's going to be evidence that you are a believer. Now, we all grow in different paces, but that's going to be a changed life. You're not going to be the same, and you're not going to do the things that you used to do. I tell you, well, who is he talking to? Well, let's turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 5 through 10. Matthew chapter 3. 
I'm going to tell you who he's talking to. Because John, he's just not just speaking out here in the air. He's talking to a group of people when he said, you brood of vipers, who wants you to flee for the wrath to come? John wanted these people to burn. He didn't want them to flee from the wrath to come. He wanted them to burn because John said, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. Clean the outside of the cup, but inside you full of dead men's bones. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him, talking about John, and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, see, people had to confess their sins and get saved before they got baptized. Now, John didn't baptize anybody before they got saved. He baptized folks after they got saved, right? So we don't baptize unbelievers. We don't baptize babies. And we don't baptize people unless they have repented. All right, I want to get that straight. Anyway. He will baptize me in the Jordan, confess their sin. But John, when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that's who he's talking to, coming to to be baptized, to the baptism, he said to them, brutal vipers who want you to flee from the wrath to come, therefore bring forth fruit for repentance. He said the same thing in Matthew he says, demonstrate your proof. Give me evidence that you've changed. Don't just talk about it. And do not think to say to yourself that Abraham is your father. If I say that God's able to raise up children up to Abraham from these stones, and even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, therefore every tree which does not bear forth fruit will cut down and throw into the fire. Indeed, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire speaks of judgment. His wintering fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing, his threshing floor and gather his wheat into barns, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. The winnowing fan, that winnowing fan was a tool that would toss the grain in the air and the, and the wind would blow the chaff away from the wheat. Only the wheat remains. They believe, they said, well, Abraham, wait a minute. Abraham is our father. They believe that merely being descendants of Abraham, Abraham, members of God's chosen race, made them spiritually secure. But you can't get to heaven riding on somebody else's coattail. They said, when well, we are children, he said, listen, God can turn these stones to Abraham. You know, you have, you have to receive Christ for yourself. You can't get to heaven on somebody else's coattail. Your mother might be a Christian. Your dad might be a Christian. Your uncle might be a Christian. But that, that does not make you a Christian. And just because you were born in the United States doesn't make you a Christian. If your relatives are a Christian, no, you got to come to Christ yourself. Don't say, well, just because I used, to, I used to say, well, I'm a Methodist, man. Sure, I'm a Christian. No, I wasn't. I thought I was. So verse 10, back to Luke 3.10. We just, we just having fun here, aren't we, I tell you? So the people asked him, saying, well, you know, John is preaching this harsh message, and there was so much conviction coming on the people so the people asked John, well, what shall we do? They asked Peter that in the book of Acts. Peter told them to repent. But John, they said, what shall we do? John's message brought conviction because John spoke the truth. A genuine change of mind, it resulted in change 
in the tax collectors and the soldiers and these people. He answered and said to them, verse 11, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. A tunic was something like a long underskirt. Since two such garments were not needed, you didn't need two of them. He said the second one, you should give to someone else who was in need. That's what he's saying. A person did not need to when another person didn't have one. So what he's saying, be generous. But John, stop hoarding stuff that you don't need. Now, how many people hoard stuff you don't need? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> he said, if you got two, two tunics and this guy don't have one, give him one of yours. That's what John is telling him. Be generous. And he who has no food, let him do likewise. In other words, consider the poor. He told them not to be selfish, but to share their blessing with other people. God blesses you to bless other people. When you're generous, I tell you, I'm speaking from, I'm, I'm not saying I'm generous. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I am. I don't know. I, am, I think I am. But it always comes back a hundredfold, boy. It comes back a hundredfold. Well, they said, what should we do? Verse 12 and 13, it says, the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed you. Stop cheating people out their money and stop ripping them off. Even the tax collectors came to John. Some of them got saved and they asked John for counsel. These men were despised by the Jews because they worked for the Romans. And the tax collectors was very rich. And they extorted money from the people. They stole money from the people. John did not tell these guys to quit their job, but to do their work in an honest manner. It seemed that the Jewish tax collectors, they exacted, they got more than enough from the people. They had a surplus. They would get a surplus and they would pocket the rest of the money. They were very rich. They were very hated. Tax collectors, they was very hated by the people because they would add interest to their own expenses and they would pay their own income. They would pay their own wages. They said, what should we do? John told them to stop it. He said, stop taking extra money from the people and stop raising the interest on people and stop ripping them off. That's what John told them. There's evidence in them. If they were really repented, they would stop doing this. Stop collecting more from the people. Then in verse 14, it says, likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, well, what shall we do? So he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. He said, listen, you soldiers, stop using the violence. Do not extort money or goods by force or violence from anybody. They often falsely accuse people. He says, don't misuse your authority. Be content with your wages. And they made good wages, but they, just wanted, they wanted more and more and more. Verse 15 says, now while the people were in a state of expectation and all were wondering in their hearts about John, to whether he was the Christ. They thought John was the Christ. They what they thought him, the way he was talking. They thought he was. And John, Luke don't say this, but this, John's gospel, 
chapter 1, verse 19 through 28. Here's why John had to tell people that he was not the Christ. And John was, this was the most dangerous part of John's ministry because John could have said, yes, I am the Christ, but he didn't. John, 19, John uh, chapter 1, verse 19. Now, now, I'm just going to read it, but you can turn to it, John 1, 19 through 28. It's in your Bible, too, so I want you to see it. Yeah, what's in my Bible is in yours, too. I mean, you might have a different version, but we know it's us, all right. Now, this is the testimony of John. And when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. He could have said yes. But he was he wasn't proud. John was uh, very humble. He was strict and he was firm, but he was humble. Then they said to him, who are you that we might give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He's quoting Isaiah again. As a, as a prophet, he said to those who were sent were from the Pharisees. And they asked him saying, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them saying, I baptize you with water, but there... But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandals straps I'm not worthy to loose. These things were done in Bethabra, beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. So they think John was the Christ. John had a chance to get puffed up and get proud. John had a chance to take the glory. They said, are you Eli? He says, nope. Are you? He said, nope. He said, all I am is one just crying in the wilderness. Make his path straight. Luke 3.16, he says, well, back to Luke's gospel, 3.16. John answered and said to all, I baptize you with water, but one mighty that is coming, who sent us straps, I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the fire speaks of judgment. Unfastening the sandal strap was the lowest, the lowest task of a slave, just like it was in John 13. When a person washed your feet in John 13, that was the lowest job a slave could have. John said, I'm not even worthy to loose his sandals. His women fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Chaff refers to useless, it was a useless shell of the wheat. The chaff wasn't worth anything. It had no nutrition or anything. They, they, they were separated from the useful wheat by the wintering fork. The wintering fork was a spoon that would uh, like a shovel that lifted the grain into the air so that the wind could separate the wheat from the chaff. He said the chaff was burned, picturing those who will go under judgment, the unquenchable fire. The chaff represent the unrepentant. 
and the wheat represents the righteous. That's going to come a day, the Bible says, Jesus is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's going to separate the sheep, the sheep from the goats. He's going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. That's going to come a day of separation. Many Jews thought that only pagans would be judged and punished when the Messiah came. But John delivered that judgment would come to all who did not repent, including Jews. That shocked them. They thought, we Jews, man, we are. He said, listen, judgment is going to come to everyone who has not repented, Jew or Gentile. And with many other exhortations, he preached to people. In other words, John preached the good news of the gospel to the people. John was an evangelist who pointed people to the Savior. He said, but Herod the Tesserite, verse 19, being rebuked by him according to Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evil which Herod had done, also added this above all, that he shut John up in prison. John got shut up in prison, but he, he, he told the truth. Just because you tell the truth, don't think people are going to embrace you all the time and tell you what a nice guy you are. John told the, told the truth and lost his head. John rebuked Herodias Antipas for his adulterous marriage to Herodias. He was imprisoned by the king and he was finally beheaded. However, he was faithful. He finished his assignment that God had given him. And when he finished his assignment, he went home. You're not going to go home until you finish your assignment. You're not going to go home until God says you're going to go home. COVID or not. Luke does not give the full account of John's arrest and martyrdom, but Matthew and Mark, they do. John could have compromised his message. John could have compromised his message and saved his life. But he was faithful witness to declare God's truth without fear. The ministry of, of John the Baptist was very powerful. It was brief. And it might appear to some as a failure, but it wasn't. He fulfilled the work that God called him to do. And on that day, God is going to say, well done, John, good and our faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? What is God calling you to do? You do that. And on that day, God is going to say, well done. John said, you're not right, man. You shouldn't have the guy's wife. Well, Mark 6, said, Mark 6, uh, 21 through 26, talks about that. Mark chapter 6, verse 21. It, it gets more in detail. Luke doesn't, but Mark does. Then an opportune day came when Herod, on his birthday, gave the feast for his nobles, the high officers, and the chief priests, men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter came and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want, I will give it to you. He also swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give to you up to half the kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. Girl danced before John the Baptist. You know, he got all excited. You know, he had had one too many. I'll give you whatever you want up to half the kingdom. 
And it says, immediately she came with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oath and because of those who sat with him, did not want to refuse her. Immediately he sent an executor and commanded the head to be brought, and he, and he went and beheaded John. And he brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Well, John finished like Paul. Paul said he fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. John did exactly what God told him, but it wasn't easy. Just because you're in God's will and just because you do what God told you doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be an easy road because Satan is all of his hosts is going to be fighting you day and night. When you step out in faith and do what God tells you to do, Satan and all of his hosts are going to do everything he can to discourage you and to stop you. You're talking about spiritual warfare. I know about spiritual warfare. You've been telling me to stop preaching for 40 years. He said, man, anybody going to listen to you anyway? I said, maybe not. I preach to myself. John, I mean, Luke 3, 21. We're almost done here. But Luke 3, 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that John also was baptized. That Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven, which said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. He said, The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form. He said it was like a dove. He didn't say it was a dove, he said it was like a dove. But they know it was visible. People could see it. The heavens opened. The spirit descended in bodily form upon John. And the voice came from heaven. That's God's voice. This is the Trinity right here in verse 22. The dove, the Holy Spirit, the voice from heaven, God the Father, and you are my son, the Holy Spirit. This is the Trinity right here in this one verse. Why did Jesus have to be baptized anyway? He says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. You know, Matthew said that John says, I don't want to do it. I need to be baptized by you. Who am I to baptize you? John, John didn't really want to do it. I need to be baptized you. Are you coming to me, John said? Matthew said that. John didn't want to baptize Jesus. But Jesus said, suffer to be so for now. You know why Jesus was baptized? Because he wanted, he, he wanted to identify with, with sinners. Although he was sinless, he wanted to identify with sinners because the Bible says he was a friend of sinners. He identified with sinners and he wants sinners to identify with him. In verse 23, now Jesus himself began his ministry about 30 years of age, being as supposed, in other words, according to the law, the son Joseph, the son Heli. 
30 years of age, this was the age required by law to which the priests must arrive before they can, can really be installed in their office was 30 years old. In Numbers chapter 4, you can read that. This seemed to be the, this seemed to be the age of full maturity for the Jewish boy was 30 years old. Jesus started his ministry 30 years old. But you know, you haven't got to wait to, 30 to start yours. You can start yours now. Everybody has got a ministry. Maybe it's your family. Maybe you guys might have family that is not saved. Your neighbor, your friend, your street, your job. People don't realize how much they need us in the message that we preach. People don't realize that. Talking to my neighbors, they know something's up. They don't know what. They know something's not right. Things are changing so fast right now. And things are getting so confusing. They know something is going on. So I'm trying to pray for opportunity where I can share God's love with them. Because I know they're scared. I know it. And I'm beginning to build relationships with people and appoint them to Christ. Because I just think that if we have the answer, we should share what Christ has, has done for us, our testimony. I know a lot of people don't believe in the Bible. I know that. But then you can share your testimony. Jesus said, come and see. And I tell people, you can criticize the Bible all you want to, but you never know unless you come and see. Unless you find out for yourself. You'll never know. Will you come and see? And then you have to ask the question. Would you like to find out for sure if Christ is real or not? Would you like to know beyond a shadow of a doubt? And if they say yes, then you can lead them in prayer. And invite Christ to come into their life. And then you can give them a Bible. They don't have one. And you can tell them to start reading the Gospel of John. And you can go about a check on them. And you can bring them to church. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work to do. Because there's a lot of people lost. And the time is winding down, isn't it? The time is winding down. So I pray that God would give you the opportunity to share with people. I'm not going to get into all these genealogies here because... Uh, I don't want to bore you with all these names, but the genealogy goes all the way. Uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, verse 23, all the way down to verse 38, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, all the way to the son of God. So as John the Baptist told people about Jesus Christ, so should we, because the time is short. Father, we're so thankful that we have you today. We're so thankful that we love your word, that you love us, you forgave us for our sins. Father, we thank you that we have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you here today, you have not received him, this is your day. 
All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner and ask Christ to come into your heart. Are you willing to do that today? Is there anyone here all watching by Facebook that have not received Christ? Jesus said, today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, because tomorrow is not promised. If you want Christ, just raise your hand. We'll pray, we'll pray for you. Anybody want Christ today? He sure wants to come to you. Father, we're so thankful we can meet today. And we pray, God, this next week that you would make your power real to your people, your strength. If they're going through discouragement today, we ask, God, you would encourage them. And we pray, God, that you let them realize that they are not alone, that you are right there with them, and you would never forsake them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand for